Son, Jesus Christ, who came in a humble birth as a human to rescue us, to be the Messiah that we've talked about, that was promised, that over a thousand years there were 300 prophecies about. I thank you that that is the God that you are and that you, Lord Jesus, were hope that had come. I thank you for that. And as we turn to the scripture today, I ask that you would help us to understand what it is that we're reading, what it is that we're hearing, that it would be life to us and that we would see how we can change. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the last three Sundays, which if you had to miss, you can listen to streaming on our website or on iTunes. We've talked about peace, hope, and joy. That sounds good. Peace, hope, and joy. This morning, I want to talk about the subject of Jesus is a gift. Jesus is the gift. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. If you would like a Bible and you don't have one, just wave your hand. Somebody will put one in your hands. How many of you can remember from your childhood, even if it's something silly, a favorite gift? Anyone want to share what was one of your favorite gifts? Yes? All right. A giant lion. A lioness. That's exciting. Ray? Uh, yeah, it was a battery-powered tractor. Remote-controlled tractor. Nice. Remote-controlled tractor. That's Ray proving that he's not that old. <laughs> ben? A telescope. That's great. Robert? Yes. <laughs> Teddy Ruxman. That's great. Becky? Uh, Evelyn. She supplies. Art supplies. Very good. Ron. Lionel Train. Yeah, some of us know what that is. Exactly. What I love about Christmas is what it means to us. And I fear that if we go through this season without pausing to consider that the reason for the season is Jesus we will have made a mistake. A mistake on par with going down to the Christmas tree, getting excited about how the gifts look, and not opening them. Well, that just sounds backwards, right? And yet some people do attend church, call themselves a Christian, and do not open the gift of Jesus. You're just keeping it real on a Sunday morning. Keeping it 100 Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, I'd like to read that. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Maybe he had an Australian accent. Lying, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven, maybe my imagination is flowing. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. 
Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now, as a kid, um, I know you didn't know you were going to be invited to a techno party uh, this morning. New restaurant next door. They're excited about Christmas as well. Um, as a kid, I remember uh, a church would put on a, um, a a play about the birth of Jesus. And I remember the shepherds being the funniest part when there wasn't a wardrobe malfunction. And uh, some of you have also seen church plays. So... <laughs> I love that shepherds would get so excited. And one thing that's easy for us to maybe miss if we don't fully understand is that they were excited not just because they had a visitation from angels and a promise of this being an exciting thing, but because of the words, the specific words that were used and what they meant. Right? This is going to be the Messiah, a very specific word that is used to describe. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about this. Jesus was the Messiah that had been predicted. Over in in your Old Testament, what you have uh, is over a thousand years, there were 300 prophecies about the Messiah. 300. And Jesus fulfilled all of them. And what had happened was there was an end to the period of, of that prophecy, and there was 400 years of silence. 400 years had gone by and this promise of a Messiah had been repeated and memorized and studied. And the body of the text that you have as the Old Testament, which scientists recently have verified, we have more copies today that are ancient copies that are with every word accurate without contradiction back to what they had then. These prophecies were well known. They were memorized. They were thought of. And remember, at this point, there is a temple where the Jews would go to worship the one true living God, Yahweh, where they would offer animal sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins. And the Messiah represented to them a promise of new life that would be available to them of a time when God would be available anywhere on the planet, not just in the temple, not just his presence manifest in the Holy of Holies, and not just a forgiveness of sins by the death of an animal, but forgiveness of sins by the way of the Messiah. And this promise, when the shepherds rejoiced, they were rejoicing in who Jesus was, even as a humble baby born in a working class family, born in a small town that did not have a good reputation, right? And having moved from the West Coast, I'm familiar with the fact that in some parts of the East Coast, Baltimore is a curse word. It's not a place that they, people think you should be proud that you're from. And I love the fact every time I wear my, my t-shirt that says Baltimore, actually, I like it. I get comments, right? We're proud of our city, right? We love our city. It's like a heck yeah, I'm from Baltimore, right? Well, that's not how people felt when they were from Nazareth, where Jesus was from. 
Jesus comes in a humble birth, but he is the Messiah that has been promised. And their excitement and their joy is that this is a relationship that has benefits. Jesus is the gift. Is your relationship with Jesus the same? So I want to not spend as much time as I usually do on a Sunday so that we have plenty of time to enjoy food in each other's company. I want to talk about four benefits of Jesus the gift. Are you ready? Okay. Jesus is the gift. And we have to start with the realization that that means that I am a child of God. Daddy God is the best Santa you will ever know. In fact, the actual Saint Nick punched somebody. There was a a meeting of Christian leaders to decide what they actually believed and didn't believe. And there was a priest there that questioned the deity of Christ. And that's who jolly old Saint Nick punched in the face. Look it up. Do your research. It's true. Jesus is the gift. That means that I'm a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, that means that what you say about me doesn't really matter. So I can get no regrets. No, no, no. Only God can judge me. No, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. That's what that means. And here's some benefits that come with that. Forgiveness. Yeah, you. Yeah, that. Forgiveness. And freedom. That sounds good. And faith. And just because, you know, I'm pastor of a church in America and we're just going to go with all F's. Forever home in heaven. Does that sound like a gift you should open? I think so. Check this out. I'm a child of God. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. To all who... And there's important words here you can't miss. What does opening the gift mean? To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. From Ephesians 1. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So you would have to say that God saved you because he loves you. Does that sound like a distant God who's judgmental, who you want to stay away from? No. God saved you because he loves you. Forgiveness, one of the benefits. Staying in Ephesians 1, 6 and 7. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Again, important words. What does it mean to open the gift of Jesus? Who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his own son and forgave our sins. Yeah, you. Yeah, that. Don't hold back a sin from God's forgiveness. 
What I find is that sometimes there are people that spend years and years in church without a significant life change and a actual like romantic level punch drunk love kind of personal relationship with Jesus because they've not allowed him to forgive all their sin. They sat and they listened to the lesson and they checked the box of, yeah, that sounds good, that sounds good, that sounds good, that sounds good. And But internally, their functional reality is that God can forgive this, this, and this, but God can't forgive that. Because we have doubt, because it seems big, because it's too much. And we don't understand how God can forgive it. I want to invite you both to investigate God with all of the powers of your brain and also to realize that if God is a spirit unlike you, he can do things that you cannot understand and that includes forgiving sins inside you that you think are unforgivable. Let him do it. And you will be changed. Receive forgiveness that goes beyond what you can understand, that goes beyond what you are capable of forgiving. That's the kind of forgiveness that's a lifelong benefit. That was good. Oh, that was so good. Freedom. Forgiveness and freedom, two separate things. We get forgiveness and freedom from our sin. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, sorry, starting in Revelation 1, 5. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Romans 8, 2. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Proverbs 28, 13. Our advice then is to confess and forsake our sin. I want you to understand that the functional spiritual reality that you live in when you accept the forgiveness of Jesus, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is your savior, the spiritual reality is that you are no longer compelled to sin. Before that moment, you are. And equally, you are spiritually blind and unaware of the fact that you don't have a choice to sin. Everything that you do is in sin. And it wasn't because you did anything to deserve it. You were born that way. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Let's just get some good doctrine in here this morning. Right? You didn't do anything to deserve that place. You're not a dirty person. You were born into sin. That's the functional reality. Once you have accepted the forgiveness of Christ, not only are you forgiven, but you are free. That means you are no longer compelled to sin. It might be a habit that you are accustomed to, that you are comfortable with, that you have adjusted to thinking that it's a part of your identity. But the spiritual reality is you don't have to do that anymore. There can now be order in your heart where there has been disorder. You can now worship and love God more than anything else. That's why Peter wrote, Lord, let nothing take the place of you in my heart. You're free. Free. Free at last. I'm, when a Christian is not experiencing joy, I am concerned about them drifting from the reality of their salvation because they don't understand that they are free. Whether you had a good week or a bad week has nothing to do with how much God loves you. Has nothing to do with whether or not you'll be accepted when you walk in this door or in my home. God loves you. There is nothing you can do to earn his favor. Nothing you can do to earn his love. You can't earn any more. He loves you completely right now. 
Come on, somebody. He loves you completely right now. Amen. That was good. Come on, preacher, preach. The third benefit from opening the gift of Jesus, faith. And I'm talking about a faith that you can live where you can live, where you make decisions, where you rely on God based on a reality of things that you do not see but are real in the spirit. Faith means this. I will see what God sees. I will agree with what God says. And I will make a decision to act upon it. I see, agree, and act. That's functional faith. Check this out. Ephesians 3.12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. If I am truly relying on Jesus for my salvation, I should never not want to come to church. I should never not want to come to him in my bedroom. I should never not want to have a prayer walk and spend time with him. Because of faith in Jesus... I can come boldly and confidently into his presence. That is really good. Hebrews 10.38, my righteous ones will live by faith. We don't live based on our actions or who we were or what our education is or what our economic status is or what our ethnicity is. No, we live by faith. We say, God, help me see what you see. I will agree with what you say reality is, and I will take action in that direction. You can have a faith that is life-changing. The fourth, and I've got a few verses on this because we don't do it too often. We've preached on it a couple times in the last three years. Check this out. Heaven is your home. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're purely and totally relying on Jesus. Heaven is your home. Check this out. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Revelation seven fifteen. Through 17. Look, God's home is now among his people. That's a difference from the temple. God's home is now among his people. This is a John, Jesus is getting, giving a revelation of, to John of what it will be like. The book of Revelation is called the Revelation of Jesus. That's the actual title. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, John, Think about this. John is having a vision of Jesus. John is the one who was often close to him, close personal relationship. And Jesus said to John, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will free, give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious, will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. 
Revelations 21, 3-7. So benefits of opening the gift of Jesus. Forgiveness. Freedom. Faith. A forever home in heaven. Oh, Pastor Ben, that's really simple and I kind of knew all that stuff. Okay. I think we can all use a reminder. And I'm talking about the kind of reminder that you chew slowly. The only truth you possess is that which you own. There's real significant life change on the inside of a person that is daily in a relationship contact with Jesus. You're talking with Him, listening to Him. He didn't stop having thoughts when He went back to be with the Father to prepare a place for us. He sent the Holy Spirit to help us. To even, according to Him, help us pray. Christians, many Jesus, that's what that means, should be the happiest people on the planet. Like, we should be the ones that get accused of being intoxicated. In a good way. Like, I'm talking about your realization of His love for you and what it means you're receiving His love and you're giving His love to others gets you to a point where you are just flat happy. Where it is an overriding principle. It is a driving force. It is the cruise control. It is the thing that you live by because of your realization of what it means to you. Some of you know that a part of my story includes a year and a half where I just stopped all spiritual activity except studying God's love for us in the Bible. It's just, and I, I, not like this crazy academic accomplishment. A lot of times it was just reading one verse in a day and thinking about it and, and struggling with it. But let me tell you something. I did it for a year and a half, literally no other Bible reading, no other teaching, no other, not nothing else. And it transformed me. And I literally started to walk around and people asked me if I was drunk. It's a true story. Literally, my personality started to change. And I'm not trying to propose that you become weird. What I am trying to propose is that you have a functional relationship with Jesus that actually changes you. Come as you are, but God loves you so much that He knows that how you're doing life before Him does not work. He knows the truth. His love will set you free. Ah, come on, this is good. Like a reminder of His benefits. The Bible says that Jesus leads us for our benefit. Here's just four. Just four. Don't leave the gift under the tree unwrapped. So what did they do? They believed in their heart and confessed at their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They confessed their sins and forsake them. They turned away. They stopped behaving in that way. They made hard life decisions to stop behaving, to change how they were spending their time, energy, and money. To Am I talking real? Right, They made life changes so that there was more time and energy and money for their relationship with Jesus. There's a reason that Jesus said, seek first 
the kingdom of God. There are some things in this life that are of greater value than others. Jesus and his love for you is of greater value. Come on, let's carve out some time to spend time with Jesus, to digest his love for us and what that means. Let's carve out some time to be available, to let it change our thoughts, to let it do something in our hearts. Let's, uh, you know, Aslan House is called Aslan House in part because of this idea from C.S. Lewis books about letting God be who God is. You can't put God in a box and yet we try to. Let his love ravish your heart. The, the, the historians wrote about the reformers, Martin Luther and others that were studying the grace of God and, and writing about this truth that we are saved by grace in faith in Jesus, right? Not by our works, right? They, 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 historians wrote about those reformers that they were like drunks. That was how they described them. There's literally one description that says it was like they went down into the basement and found something 400 proof and could never recover. That's historians a long time ago that wrote that. Now, I'm not saying that we won't go through difficult things in our life and that there won't be seasons of our life where we are suffering. How we suffer matters. But what I am saying is that the overriding guiding principle, the the bedrock foundation of your life, the cruise control of your life should be joy. A state of joy. Oh, that's so good. Just picking up a tool as a close that I gave you last week. If this, whatever this truth that we discussed today is true about Jesus, then this, write out the implication of that, is true about God's love for me. And this, some painful internal thought you have about yourself, then this about me just doesn't matter. Come on somebody, that's good. If this is true about Jesus, then this is true about God's love for me, and this about me just doesn't matter. As a result, I can be full of joy in the Lord. I can be merry by reason of Jesus. I can enjoy a state of happiness because of Jesus. I would invite you at some point today to pray about this. Ask God for help with it. Write something down. Write something, a question, a reflection. Write something down and let's talk about it. And we've got a perfect opportunity to talk about it over lunch. Doesn't that sound good? Let's pray. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over our time together and over the food that we have back there. And I've carved out extra time today for us to just enjoy being together and enjoy the truth of Jesus' love for us. Does that sound good? Okay, so I'll pray. And then I know it's a little bit of a three-ring circus when we do this because some bits of food need to be pulled out, prepared, whatever. But let's just enjoy each other's company. Also, if you would like to receive prayer, please feel free. Stay down here. Ask myself or someone else for prayer. I'd be happy to pray for you this morning, okay? God, I thank you so very much that you love us, that your love is true, that your love is faithful, that when people abandon us, you have not. When people, other people's love falls short, yours does not. When we can't understand how you can forgive certain things, you can. 
So help us, Lord, to receive your forgiveness fully, to walk in freedom, to live by faith with the hope of heaven in our future, that our imaginations would be fired, that we would experience joy this holiday season. Lord, we do thank you for the food that you've provided today. We ask that you would bless it to our bodies, that you'd strengthen us, that there'd be healing in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen.